Hey, podcast listeners, Al Martin here. This is part two of Nancy Hensley and Moneyball. Enjoy. Let's go. You're listening to Making Data Simple, where we make the world of data effortless, relevant, and yes, even fun. We talked about Pressbox Live. Got it. Mm-hmm. That's for the mm-hmm. NBCs, ABCs, Fox of the world. All right. Then you've got the analyst.com. That's for mm-hmm. me. And now I'm a fan. I'm going to start reading this material. Uh, <laughs> terrific. Uh, other other uh, offerings you want other, to talk about? Other cool things? So we're about to launch um, a product called Optivision. And uh, Optivision is where we're actually combining some of our deep analytics driven by AI ML, live tracking data that's collected either via a in-stadium system with optical tracking or through our ability to do li- uh, live computer vision tracking through a broadcast um, and event data. And that was the story I was starting to tell before. When you combine all that together, you get some really deep views of the game. So we're launching that um, in time for the, the soccer season. And with that, as we, as we progress more and more with our live computer vision capability, where you'll be able to do is see overlays of content and insights within a viewing experience. Now, no one's really doing that quite yet live, but that's where things will be going. So you can personalize a viewing experience at some point where you can turn on things like expected goals and momentum and things like overlays into your viewing experience running live, even things like specific performance data on that particular player. So that's where I think things are progressing to. And it's really kind of a cool thought that as the big tech players come in, I think they'll be pushing for that really personalized, very technically advanced experience in the future, not everyone's gonna want that, right? There are people are still gonna wanna just turn on their TV and watch the game. But some people will want to watch the game with a bunch more statistics on the side of their screen. Some will wanna be able to turn overlays on and off. Um, it, it's gonna be all personalized. So, so is this, cool. well, let me back up for a second. I got a question on that, but you said Optivision? Optivision is the product. And that's, that's basically a new data collection which is combining all of these things together. So instead of just giving clients event data or tracking data, so tracking data is is basically tracking each player individually and then piecing that all together in context, um, combining those two things along with some specific AI outputs around the game and serving that up. And then that's going to give you a much deeper contextualized view of the game. So let me see if I can say this. So it's Optivision. It's deep analytics from the data, of course, mm-hmm. in stadium experience, I will say, or in, in stadium system and event data all combined into one. Did I get them all? Or is there one I miss? Um, also, we can do, we'll be doing it from live broadcast as well. So um, today we can use the, the optical tracking systems that are available today, like op, the, the cameras in the stadium, for example, but very, very soon, we'll be able to just do it live from broadcast. And by the way, that's really hard to do, to actually pull content, to actually pull tracking data from a live broadcast is very difficult. But we are making some great advancements, and we are, are, are doing really well in this area. So we're so pretty excited say, about it. 
when you say live broadcast, then there will come a day. I don't know, maybe soon. I don't know if you've got any deals in place that we'll be watching TV and we can on the side say, hey, let me let me check out the analytics around it. And you guys will show mm-hmm. the analytics. Or is this just at the stadium? I presume it's on the no. TV. I mean, no, you well, you'll probably see those kind of experiences coming in an OTT viewing experience where you can turn on and off where certain kinds of overlays and levels of statistics and even be able to click on a player and get specific performance data. That's where I think the future of sports viewing is coming. Now, like I said, it's going to have to be personalized because not everybody's going to want that. Not everyone. And you'll see some of it today in some markets like um, the Bundesliga puts a lot of content on their screen and people either love it or they hate it. Um, in our in some of the uh, in some of our new betting products that we have that where we're streaming the game into the sports book, we can create overlays around things like expected goal and um, live win probability and things like that within that viewing experience. They can turn on and off as well. So I think that's the way of the future, but it has to be personalized because not everybody's going to want that. Well, I would imagine. I mean, look. You know better than me, but I would imagine that, yeah, there's probably a couple different levels that you'd have in Optivision, meaning like I'd want to kind of high level. I'd want to see like what the batting average for a certain player against this pitcher is lifetime or something. I'd say, mm-hmm. oh, they bat 600. They're only they're zero for over two today, but, you know, their lifetime is is right. 400. So that kind of makes sense when you say, why didn't this guy get pulled or whatever? Oh. Just making right. things up. But why didn't he get right. pulled? No. Well, it's because he's usually rocks uh, right. this picture, picture. But I, I, there's some folks, and I have some friends like this, they'd want to know, I mean, down to the core details. I mean, they'd like to double click like twice yeah. into something like yeah. that. So you may need like a different oh, a double click option. I don't know. Yeah, I think, cool. and I think people will maybe build that on the like a side view of an OTT viewing experience. Um, it's interesting. I don't know if you saw that, like the NFL is, is doing their own streaming experience yes. and it's just going to be on a mobile phone or a mobile platform. I'm pretty sure the intent is that they can build more data on there with 5g. You can actually do a lot more than we could before. So that's probably where, what they're thinking is the, the vision of where they want to go with it is create more contextualized statistics and data. And again, it's going to be a very specific group of people that will want to consume sports that way. But the new, this new gen, or this next generation of sports viewers, that's how they want to do it. <laughs> they like highlight yeah, you can kind of, you can educate or teach even for those that uh, may not know the sport that well uh, within something like the Optivision you're describing, mm-hmm. by the way, you're in the business. Is the NFL out in front of everybody on this or does it just feel that way? Um, I think the NFL understands the opportunity extremely well. Um, they, they also understood the opportunity when it come to, came to sports betting as well. Like they, they understand where the value is in their data and their rights. So are they out in front of everybody? It's, it's really hard to say because there have been a lot of soccer leagues that are starting to introduce a lot more content, um, broadcasters as well. I think everybody's fully embracing it. You see it on Amazon with next-gen data. I think there is a deep appreciation for more and more content and data around the game. And I think that's why I was so excited about Stats Perform is because we have data. Because you know what makes really good insights and in AI, in AI is really deep data. We have data that goes back to the 1800s for several sports. So mm-hmm. our depth of yeah, data awesome. is huge. 
It's huge. It's unmatched. It just feels like they're always ahead. I mean, I love baseball. But baseball seems like so conservative and almost protective of their data, their analytics so much so that mm -hmm. they don't make changes that they right. need to make. I mean, like this is not, kind of related, kind of not, but like in Kansas City, they they did a deal with a local cable provider. I can't see the games. I mean, I, I mean, oh, and wow. it's yeah. So it's like I'm, I'm losing interest. And I mean, you think they'd want to make it available to everybody to to bring them in, mm -hmm. and it just feels like they 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 become niche. Where the NFL is trying everything, and they'll do things like mm -hmm. like what you mentioned. We're gonna mm -hmm. do an in app streaming. We're gonna do this. Where you can get them everywhere. Right. And NFL is like available every month. I mean, they're like genius that way. You've either got the draft going on, or you got there's only a few months that nothing's yeah. going on with the NFL, even though they're not playing. It's crazy. Exactly. I think the MLB is trying. Um, they they did that deal with Apple for Friday Night Baseball, and there was a little bit more contextualized data around that experience. But I would say the NFL probably is moving a little bit faster. Um, and soccer, European soccer, is to me it, the is is moving much faster as well. So. Not necessarily here in the U.S., but so mm -hmm. when I watch an MLS broadcast versus what I see of how our data is being used and how some of our predictions are being used in a European-based broadcast, either on Sky or Canal Plus, it's very different. Um, so I, I think it's coming. And I think it's also been really interesting to see the diversification of the viewing experiences and rights. Like... Like going back to what I said before, you know, with you got Apple, Google, Amazon buying media rights for sports, like nobody saw that coming. Um, well, maybe they saw it coming a few years ago, but now it's it's almost the biggest challenge is where is the game? <laughs> where is the game today? Because they're they're chopping it up into Friday night and Sunday night, like different nights have different rights holders. And it's it's pretty confusing, actually, <laughs> as to where you can find the game. I find it, I mean, I find your space incredibly interesting. And one question I always ask is, just because you have the data, I don't know that a lot of entities will act on that data. Like we started mm -hmm. out with Moneyball and the whole story with Moneyball, and you said it, the data was available since 1981. Mm -hmm. He started doing Moneyball in early 2000s, and mm -hmm. they said, oh, it's not as good as you know, you can't do analytics with the right. data. And that was, that was a whole story. I mean, that story right. repeats itself. Uh, and I feel like that kind of ties into what we were talking about with the NFL. They are acting on it. Sometimes it feels like baseball doesn't want to act on it. When I was with Informix, before I got bought out by IBM, we had a, mm -hmm. a, a campaign where we put a chip within the soccer ball. Mm -hmm. And so it could tell you how fast the ball was going, if it crossed the... Uh, the goal line, you know, it, it could tell you if it was offsides because we know exactly where it is. We could tell you where the players are versus anyway. And that was like late 90s, I want to say. Uh, and yeah. I feel like we still haven't acted on some of that opportunity. I mean, I don't know if you're messing with any chips and balls and stuff like that, but you could do it so you'd know exactly if it was a goal mm -hmm. or not. You know, there's no guess. Yeah, we work with. We work with some partners where we'll pull in some of the those things that are in, embedded in the ball as part of our tracking data. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think it's I think it's changing. Like you know, one of the part one of the the rights holders that we work with, the WTA, 
they specifically chose us to work with them because they really wanted to up the game in terms of the analytics and the and the statistics and the content available about the Women's Tennis Association, right? And I think it's made a huge difference um, for for them. And, and that's how they really up their game as, as a league. They get more broadcast time, right? They get more sponsors. So I think it's actually starting to turn the tide where I can't think of any sport that really is resistant anymore. Um, I mean, golf is really trying to create more technology around the golf viewing experience. I mean, my husband will say that that's the best sport to nap to. <laughs> so maybe golf has an engagement problem. Um, <laughs> I think they all are a little conservative in their own way. It just feels like NFL. They'll try anything. Uh, maybe there are different reasons for that. Yeah, yeah pretty progressive. I, I could use it for golf. I just, I got, I was lucky enough, actually this week, I just golfed uh, Whistling Straits in Wisconsin, oh, nice. for those listening, a fabulous course. But as I'm, you know, <laughs> this has more waste bunkers across this whole uh, course. And uh, man, I kept thinking, yeah, I could use some analytics around where to land the ball, you know, mm-hmm. where am I better, better, you know, hitting, where should I be left? It's left or right. Thankfully, I have a caddy to help with some of that. But like, if you're off the green, you're off the green in yeah. a bunker. I mean, there was a fringe and then you're down 10 feet into a bunker. But if you have somebody or you have some analytics, I can see where golf, yeah. it'd be incredibly beneficial if you were to analyze the course layout and where oh, people yeah. hit and where they do well and where they don't do well. Yeah. That would be huge. Anyway, you have to come all right. So, Chicago Golf Club by me. It's like the one of the oldest 18 hole golf courses in the United States, if not the oldest. I'm in. Do you golf? Will we golf together? Uh, I would. I probably would do terrible. I haven't golfed in a long time. I, I, like I said, if you, you, if I have free time, you're going to find me on my bike. <laughs> I can golf. <laughs> well, Not you get me much. on and I'll be there. So you talked about press box live. It, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's pushing the envelope. You got the analyst.com and you're venturing into Optivision. Mm-hmm. Any other offerings that we haven't mentioned that are critical to uh, your success and something that you really want to tout? Uh, well, you you wouldn't see it directly from us because we integrate into the sports books, but we've definitely upped the the engagement game with the sports book solutions that we're doing too. We actually are integrating more AI into the the experience. So we're talking about like those overlays. We're integrating things like expected goals and different kinds of predictions into the viewing experience for the better. And that just keeps them engaged and really helps them understand more contextualized data of the game. I think our challenge or or one of the challenges I really was pushing for when I walked in the door was how do we make all this AI work we're doing consumable? And that's, that's how we've done it. We've integrated it into how a better consumes information and, and the, and the way they experience it. We've done it for the broadcasters and integrating it into this dashboard through press box. So it's been exciting to actually bring that to life instead of it just being, look at all these great predictions and, and AI work we can do. We're actually scaling it out. We're scaling it out live, which, by the way, like I said, it's really hard. <laughs> but um, it's been great to of the lessons that we've learned in terms of what it takes to actually scale AI and ML into a live application. And I think you know we've probably got a pretty com- pretty good competitive edge over our competitors in that. 
was COVID good to you or bad to you from a business perspective? It was bad to everybody from a health perspective, but yeah. some businesses it really kicked into gear or gave, uh, you know, some advantages to, I mean, you're coming out yeah. of COVID now people are feeling, I think the last time we saw talk, there were like board cutouts in the seats at stadiums. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, we actually did pretty well. Um, we, that's when we actually kicked off the analysts was during the COVID times and we were able to keep a pretty solid level of engagement. And then when sports came back, we were, we were hugely busy. Um, and it was great. Everybody was so happy. So we, we actually did pretty well during it all, despite all the challenges we did. Well, that's good. That's good. Well, I mean, did business keep up? I mean, business stayed the same pretty much or it even mm-hmm. accelerated. We grew. Yeah. We've grown. Good. Yeah. Any surprises on when you're collecting stats or analytics, between women and men, men sports different, college and professional, or is it as long as it's the same sport, it's all pretty much the same yeah, stuff? I think I think it's pretty much all the same stuff. Um, and it's uh, for some reason when you said that, I had this vision like we we've actually had like these all women data collection team on sports too. So we're we're pretty we're really trying to get more women to sports across all aspects of it. Not to mention just get more coverage of women's sports, which we've been pushing mm-hmm. more and more into that space as well. Women's sports are like the fastest growing area of sports, and there's just so much interest. And even I can tell you when I remember very specifically being at the U.S. Open last year and watching, I can never say his name right, Medvedev. Um, and, it, you know, it was a good match, right? The guys are really good, Daniel Medvedev. And then the... Um, uh, Lila Fernandez came on. It was the, it was when she won, and it, you know the the level of engagement was just completely different in the crowd during that match. And I thought, wow, like why why don't we get more coverage of women's sports? And so I think that tide is turning as well. It's ex, it's exciting to see that. Um, and there's been much better equality overall. Well, all right, not much better equality. But there's been more progress inequality in sports and i actually the hockey is leading the way for the most women in like front office and management positions so proud hockey fan here <laughs> <laughs> well look I, I this is not meant to profile or anything but me and my wife are very different the way we watch sports i i am like deep into the analytics she's more mm-hmm. into the stories behind sports mm-hmm. and it but, but it works and at least it works for her like i'll be doing fantasy yeah. speaking of and I'll be like, oh, I don't know if I want this person. And I'll say it out loud or something. She goes, you don't want that person. I said, why not? <laughs> uh, that that person's in a, that gentleman's in a bad headspace right now. Here's what's going on. And I'm like, what? But she knows it. And darn if right. she isn't right. So I guess what I'm trying to say, it, there may be like stories that can be told through statistics mm-hmm. that help Absolutely. provide more interest and bring different diversity to the game. Absolutely. And that's where that deeper contextualized data and predictive work that we do makes such a difference. And by the way, you should listen to your wife because women and sports betting get a 40% better return than men. I believe it. I believe it. That's why I say I'm not profiling here. She knows better than me. I knew that from a long time ago. Exactly. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me, actually. So how did you know that? Is that a statistic that you gathered from uh, all your workings with the analytics as well? 
Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, it was, I think I was, I don't remember where I got that one, but I remember reading about it and I was fascinated about it. It was in some of my data gathering work that I was doing specific to women in sports. And I thought, this is a good one. I got to remember this one because it's, it's one where we clearly excel. Now we bet less, we bet less yeah. money, but we make more money. It's because you're smarter. So, <laughs> more analytical. We're more analytical. Very good. Very good. Anything we didn't talk about that you wanted to, to get out that I did a poor job of and didn't ask the question? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Um, not that I can think of at the moment. You still Definitely check out the analyst. Oh, yeah, of course. I'm, I'm always looking for that. I mean, to me, the analyst was a growth hack. It was We uh, started doing that when there was no sports. We started writing stories with some of the deep data that we had and some of the amazing expertise we have. And to me, that was a growth hack and it's just taken off. And you, I know you will enjoy it if you go to that site all the time. I will. And I saw some of your tweets uh, as of lately or LinkedIn. I don't know if it was tweet or maybe both. But I mean, some interesting thing, players to watch 2022, 23, the analyst mm -hmm. 50. I presume that, yeah, it did come from the analyst.com now that I look at it. Yeah, Pretty and there will be some great stuff coming in around the World Cup. Um, and like last year, we introduced our, our season sim model via the analyst it, during the Euros. You could actually see the, the data was updating every three seconds with every event in the game and restacking the tournament. It was so cool. So people are obviously coming back like lots of times to see how it would change because that was, that was an amazing tournament last year in the Euros. Um, so look for that this year. We will be doing lots of cool stuff around the World Cup as well and, and the women's Euros. So lots of great Fantastic. stuff coming. Hey, always great talking to you. Uh, see, I told you we wouldn't need any notes. We could keep going yeah. if we wanted to. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Any good books or anything you're reading as of late? Anything you'll leave us with? Oh, gosh. What is the last one? I, I'm still doing my obsession with um, with uh, English history. <laughs> so, uh -huh. um, now, here's a funny story, though. I'll tell you. So I, 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 anybody that knows me knows that I am, like, obsessed with, like, the, the Henry VIII era and um, royal history from around that time frame. And yeah. I never really understood why I was obsessed with it. When I was sick with COVID the second time, the second, the second time, time. Oh, wow. um, I was really sick. I was down for the count, but I was bored. Like I'm not really good at being sick. So I started doing my ancestry tree and mm -hmm. just got obsessed with it. Guess what? <laughs> my 22nd great grandfather was King Edward III. <laughs> <laughs> very good reason why I'm obsessed with that I am related to the Plantagenet somewhere down the line so uh, so how did I, you do that ancestry.com or did you yeah, do it ancestry.com and I just like I was actually had multiple sites open because you really have to check the data because you can't just start to follow a tree you got to make sure it's the right tree especially because you, you that guy could have had multiple wives and you wanted to make sure that your branch was the right branch off that tree. So, um, I was doing a lot of data checking, but because I've read so many books on that era, once I hit a specific time frame, I started to recognize some of the noble name, family names. And yeah. I was like, holy, holy moly. Like, I know that name. Yeah. Started going down this tree. I'm like, I know that name. And uh, yeah, that I got all the way down to the 1300s and uh, King Edward. He's my, he's my pop. How, is that where it stopped? Is that where it stopped? Uh, where you couldn't go any farther? I mean, or do you? Could you still go? No, you just need to take time. I could go all the way to King Edward the 
first and I haven't, I, I stopped after that. I was like all excited. Like now I understand. I understand me now. <laughs> I understand my obsession <laughs> about time frame. Um, Man, you just so gave the the best marketing for ancestor.com. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I just finished a, my the latest book I just finished was actually on Catherine Parr, who is Henry VIII's sixth wife and she I have a uh, a direct relation to her as well within my family tree. So now I'm starting to read books about the people that I was related to back then. It's really she was pretty fascinating actually. So very wow. progressive woman, very influential woman in her time. She was his last wife, so she just basically took care of him and, until he died. Then she married a, a, a nobility, and she took care of Queen Elizabeth for years, Queen Elizabeth I. Well, so. I'm going to have to – I'm I'm very interested in history. I like that. So then you now you've got a whole bunch of historical figures to read that you're related to. <laughs> oh, yeah, I have like you a know. list. So I'm just cranking through those books. <laughs> Very cool. I, that, 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 is a, that is a good passion. Well, thank you for being here. Always good to catch up. You know we're going to have you back on. It's just going to happen. So uh, <laughs> anyway, be well. Keep riding the bike. You have your husband keep drinking that bourbon. If he wants to send some good stuff my way or if he's got too much, he needs, I need to take off his hands, I can certainly do that as well. But thank you for being yeah. here. Yeah. Thank you. Always a pleasure. <laughs> Listeners, as always. Rate us. Tell us how we're doing. Hit us on almartintalksdata.com. Thank you for being here. And I'll see you on the podcast. Later.